Welcome to You Heard Me Right, a podcast that brings people together through creativity, collaboration, and colorful conversation. I'm your host, Casey. And today, three artists will share their unique perspectives on a little situation that'll, let's just say, probably affected us all in some way during the year 2020. No spoilers. To recap how the show works, We give a writer a theme and they have two weeks to let that topic inspire a creative written response. That written piece is then given to two different audio artists who interpret that story using sound. After that, we come together and discuss the creation process and the world we live in. Alrighty, the topic for today's show is... Kaleidoscope. Get ready to meet our first guest artist right on the other side of this break. The theme Kaleidoscope was first given to the writer in the mix, Kalundra. We'll let her explain the inspiration behind her piece. Hi, my name is Kalundra Smith, and I am a storyteller. My mission as a artist, arts critic, journalist, and all-around Writer is to connect people to cultural experiences and to each other. When I first received the theme of Kaleidoscope, I really wanted to write about something really fanciful and ethereal because when I think about Kaleidoscope, I think about a toy I had as a child where you turned the Kaleidoscope and it was all of these different colors that were neon and forming all of these different shapes. It was like having a pinata at the end of your eye. But when I thought about kaleidoscope, the kaleidoscope seemed to be turning inward into my own heart, my own mind, my own body. And so what came out was something much more rooted in a deep emotional space. Calundra's written response is a poem entitled At the Threshold of Longing or The First 200 Days of Quarantine. Day one. A girl stands at the threshold of longing. Her fingerprints stain the knob of the swung-open door. She is afraid to enter for fear that her heartache might be her undoing. Day 14. Inside this pressing loneliness, will she find a kaleidoscope offering a deeper look into her own heart? Or the barrel of a gun ready to shatter her to pieces? Day 28. The loneliness needs, gnaws, scrapes. Day 31. It has been so long since the last dawn of new love. Day 46. The good book says, He who findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But to search is a choice. What happens to the women who no one ever searches for? Day 52. You can't love someone unless you love yourself, they say. Trying to love someone in the absence of self-love is ill-advised. Day 69. Is desire an insurmountable state? Day 75. It is often said that it is impossible to experience joy without sadness. I think that it is more accurate to say that it is impossible to appreciate joy without sadness. Experiencing the kind of sadness that you're not sure you'll ever get up from makes every moment of joy and happiness all the better. Day 100. 
Oh, God, what do you make of us? Please make better of us than we've made of ourselves. Day 112. Look inside the kaleidoscope. Have your heart excavated. Day 134. All we have known is lost. We need moments that take our breath away, that shock us back to life. Day 155. Perhaps on the other side of the threshold is Alice's Wonderland. A kaleidoscope to fall down into. A technicolor world that is not this one. Day 172. When's the last time your heart quickened? When's the last time it sank? The last time it sat in your throat? Yeah, me neither. Day 196. I pray a quick and short death for the longing. God, if you have any mercy left, don't tarry in the stopping of our hearts. Day 200. Isolated from love and sanity, a girl stands at the threshold of longing, knowing that ever after is on the other side and petrified all the same. Thank you, Calandra, for so beautifully capturing the tremendous ups and downs that occur in isolation. I mean, even though I'm not like a huge party animal or anything like that, during quarantine, I did occasionally miss having the option to engage in casual social interactions sometimes. I guess in a way, this podcast was meant to facilitate non-traditional social interaction. Because art is definitely a form of communication, even when you don't even know who your art is speaking to. This was the case for both of our audio artists, who received a copy of Calandra's super personal piece without being told a single thing about her. And Calandra didn't know who her piece was going to either. What did Donald, the first of our audio artists, hear in her words? You're about to find out now. Well, my name is Donald Milton III. I am the director of music at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Atlanta. I conduct the Atlanta Gay Men's Chorus, and I own a company called Sky Punch ATL that brings people together to to sing music. The the poem itself is so spacious, and the the longing in this piece, which you know, it's called at the threshold of longing. The the longing is. Active. There's, there's pushing and pulling. I mean, it's, it's broken down by day, and I think there's a lot of space between all the days. And during this time, we are feeling that spaciousness, sometimes for good, sometimes for ill. And there's also other things that jumped out were that there's a lot of dualities here, kind of gray area. It's not, it's not black or white. There's, there's feelings of sadness and joy. So that, that's what I kind of took away in reading this. Please enjoy Donald's artistic response, a classical composition entitled Zochrenu Lechayim.
the cinematic sounds of the violin and piano duo. Talk about pulling on the heartstrings. So, a kaleidoscope is an optical instrument that has mirrors and all sorts of colorful objects inside of it. And the resulting patterns and designs that are created all depend on how you look at it. I know a visual metaphor on a show about sound seems kind of odd, but the concept still totally applies. Our second audio artist, Jared, was given the same poem as Donald, but he saw, well, heard things a little differently. (laughs) Let's meet him now. My name's Jared Ledoux. I'm a composer and sound designer, and I work mostly on video games and film. It's interesting because... I feel like as a freelancer, you know, composer, there's like not a lot of certainty in a lot of what we do. Gives a little more perspective, right? So I feel like I've been able to zoom out a little bit and start reflecting a bit uh, on some things maybe I wouldn't have as quickly otherwise. This uh, feeling of, you know, the time continuing to pass but not actually being able to move, like being frozen, right, almost. That sort of uncertainty and everything that comes along with it is, uh, I think that was a big takeaway and I wanted to reflect that in the feelings of the music that I made. So, yeah. Jared's sonic composition is entitled Excavation Invocation. For me, the textures in the beginning of that piece were like, "Uh, I don't know what day it is. But then the nature sounds at the end were all, maybe you should just go outside and get some fresh air. Speaking of getting some fresh air, we should probably take a little break right now. Um, But don't stray too far because our three guest artists will finally be revealed to one another right after this. Welcome back. You just heard all of the amazing art that was inspired by the topic Kaleidoscope. Well, Team You Heard Me Right couldn't wait to introduce our artist trio at the Treehouse, which was a code name for our outdoor recording safe haven during a global pandemic. 
it was actually quite calming to enjoy the company of other humans in nature after being cooped up in the house all year. So yeah, prepare to hear a few birds and other all-natural, unproduced sounds that provide the soundtrack for a delightful chat. Enjoy! Calandra, Donald, Jared, I'm so happy that you're here. And Calandra, you're looking really happy right now. Um, what are your thoughts after hearing the two audio responses to your poem? This is really cool. Is what I'm <laughs> I mean, I wow is what I'm thinking. I mean, two very very different, you know interpretations like one kind of taking you on like a soundscape journey like Jared kind of took you on like a soundscape journey like you were you know like what I was thinking about like the threshold piece of things like you're entering into something else and like really thinking of kaleidoscope and and, and all of that and then but then you have like this kind of classical melancholy piece on the other side I mean Wow, is what I'm thinking. I mean, it's really, really cool to have somebody interpret your words with sound and, and they don't know you. They never met you. Like, it's really cool. Nice job, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you too. I'm a bit overwhelmed, to be honest. Yeah, the the similarities were really cool. Like, I love the, we, we both about like, 20 seconds into the piece had like a moment of spaciousness mm. mm-hmm. and that's like was a big takeaway in the in the poem for me mm-hmm. like it's a very spacious there's you know each day has that you know that there's the longing and then the waiting and the longing and then the waiting it's kind of a tension and release that lives in the poem and uh it was really cool to hear that in, in jared's piece and I was like, ooh, we should overlay these and see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, I wonder how that would sound. That could be pretty cool. It, it might work. My piece is just soundscapey enough that it probably <laughs> would, it actually could work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah. I need this as like nighttime sounds. Like, <laughs> I mean, very, very cool. Like both pieces take took you on a journey in a very, but they sound like very unique until the artists themselves, but like still took you on a journey. Like you got it. Like I, it was like you would arrive in the same place in two very different ways. Very cool. Yeah. I like that thing you said about like, you know, night sounds and stuff. And that's definitely some of the stuff that I envisioned. I think when I was reading your piece, you know, it's, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool how you, set the scene but didn't necessarily specify everything right and so but there was more of a mood of nighttime than like Mm -hmm. I don't know if you really said that it was but like to me I envisioned it was like not just night but also like foggy you know and I had the picture of the character standing like in front of the door you know whether Mm -hmm. or not it was a real door but either way you know that it was very kind of an oppressive like mental state that you're writing about but I thought I, I envisioned it as like actually a visual oppressiveness of like dark fog. Like you can't really tell what's going on, you know. So I tried to translate that, in, at least definitely in the beginning, right, with the sounds to have them coming, like sort of made from, they're made from real sounds, a lot of them. But I manipulated them a lot, right? So the hope is that you can't always tell what they are and that they're kind of coming from all over. So yeah, yeah I, th- I thought there was a sort of mirror there with 
a lot of what you were writing about was about uncertainty, right, with the future and the current state that a lot of us find ourselves in, I think. I mean, I definitely related to that, the feeling of being frozen, like on some sort of a threshold, but but there's also other things that are continuing on, and you're not able to really interact with them as much as you would want to, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was a cool Yeah, cool you, nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I'm definitely feeling the, that. The so. nighttime element is not something I ever mm-hmm. thought about, but you bringing it up is interesting because it's really easy to distract yourself during the day, but when you put your head on your pillow at night and it's like, you know, it's like it all, everything you distracted yourself from during the day comes flooding forward, of course, when you mm-hmm. lay down. I mean, that's just yeah. life. The loneliness yeah. needs gnaws. Yeah. Yep, yep, right? exactly. <laughs> Those like very active verbs that, that happen in this, in this poem that I think are really powerful and but feels like longing. Longing isn't absence, right? Longing is active mm-hmm. and, yeah. and painful and it's a pushing and pulling. And uh, that's what really kind of struck me uh, melodically was pushing mm. and pulling and that like, that feeling needing, scraping, that, that, that kind of lived in that space when I was thinking through it. I wrote this on Yom Kippur, right? The Day of Atonement. Oh, wow. And, uh, I've been singing Yom Kippur services since I was 18 years old. It's my first ever paid gig as a musician. Hmm. And this year I didn't do it because everything's closed down. Oh, right. So, uh, but I I find it like deeply spiritual and meaningful to me. And I was, I was missing that. And so I had, I had read your poem several times and like kind of let it marinate for a while. And I picked it back up on Yom Kippur morning and this is what just kind of inspired me. It feels like a Yom Kippur reading. Uh, if you've <laughs> never been to a Yom Kippur service, there's like these big public, deep, heavy readings where people like atone for their sins of the year and uh, whether or not they committed those sins, they as a community atone for them. It's really, it's a really deeply moving uh, spiritual experience. And this poem had that they ask big questions and this poem asks big questions. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it just really struck me. And so my, my composition turned out really Jewish. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of what, just kind of what happened. Well, but I mean, I think that's the universality of it, of, of the feeling too, though, is that, I mean, you know, in different, um, faiths and, and different practices and belief systems and all of that, the, the thing that threads everyone together is this kind of tradition of figuring out some way to atone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing that's so interesting about the space that we find ourselves in right now is that, like, we are all being faced with situations that, you know, feel too big to atone for sometimes, or sometimes you don't need to atone for them at all. And, you know, in writing this poem, it, it's so interesting because, um, as a journalist, I usually am, am dealing with very concrete ideas, right? Like everything is facts. Um, but this is so very abstract and I resisted writing this and then it, you know, but there, you, you can only resist for so long and, and then it just comes out because it has to come out, you know, and maybe that is its own atonement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that, that Jared jumped out in your piece to me was, it's just an anxiety that mm-hmm. lives in that longing, right? Especially mm-hmm. at the beginning that it was, uh, it, there's a, ca- a chaos in it too. And I, I, I put that in my piece as well. Yeah, like that sure. kind of chaotic section. Cause like that, that lives in longing too. And, and in this time we have, 
you know, there's, there's definitely the, the, the manic periods that we have and, and that, I think it's interesting that it came into both compositions. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how it came in. I see what you mean, but also, you know, such a different palette, right? So mm-hmm. the way that it comes in is, is interesting because I think it has a lot to do with, like, the tools that we used being quite different since I had a little bit of piano, but really more of a textural thing. And other than that, it was essentially sound design and, you know, all of the sound sources were either sound design manipulated uh, or actually synthesizers themselves, right? Very few acoustic instruments, just plain, like just, you know, unaffected. So I thought that was cool. And in your piece, I did hear though, like you're saying the, the chaotic and the, the crunch, right? You had the voicings of most of the chords that you're using. They definitely had a lot of that emotional clashing. What all cool. do you play? So I didn't play that. Uh, Mark Williams and Margaret Williams are members of the UU Congregation of Atlanta, and they're both phenomenal musicians. I I don't know why it was for piano and violin. That's just what came out, right? Yeah. And so I do play piano, but not nearly well enough to play that piece. <laughs> so uh, Margaret played it so so brilliantly and I, I told Casey the story earlier Mark and Margaret uh, took a 20th century uh, chamber music class when they were in college and that's where they met they were the only two people who signed up for the class and then they got married <laughs> so wow. I just think that's amazing wow. what, a, what, what a cool thing they're, they're just great people and very talented musicians and so I sent them the piece and said like hey this is pretty weird do you think you can play it? And they were both like, oh yeah, we got this. And they recorded it live. I think that what you all did was interpret, like yours felt like melancholy Hmm. and yours felt like mystery. Hmm. Um, Like you hear the the door creaking and you hear Mm -hmm. like kind of the ebbs and flows. But then what's so neat to me about what you both did is that they both end on hope. Like toward the end, we hear the birds, toward the mm-hmm. end you know the tempo goes a little up and mm-hmm. you know it's it's i'm still like overwhelmed i feel like i have <laughs> nothing valuable to say <laughs> it's very cool <laughs> like it's really deep right mm-hmm. it, it is a piece of you and we got right. to we got to receive it and and spend time with it and take it in and you know, I, I focused on this more than I would just reading poetry because mm-hmm. right. I was go- I wanted to to take something of somebody else's and and do it justice. I wanted it to be, you know, something that that connected to this poem. And we I hope I got there. But the, so I was excited. As a choral conductor, oftentimes you'll have the same poem set by different composers. And I, I really love that. I've even often put two settings of the same poem on a concert to hear how it's taken differently. And that's how I saw this process. And, and I think that's just cool. I think it's a neat idea that we, that we had intimacy with each other before we met each other in a way that, that I think is very beautiful. Yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, when you work together and create something, yeah, there's a connection there already. And so that's pretty cool. I definitely haven't done anything like this before when I haven't met the person I'm working with. Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of makes sense, I guess. You know, it makes sense that we would have that connection when we finally did meet. It's like revealing a part of yourself, right? Bef- so we had revealed a part of ourselves to each other before we'd met. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not through creating art, I wonder if there's a way that people could be more, more comfortable with doing that. And like, 
you know, being less guarded about themselves, right? I think that would probably be a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. This is this is interesting to me because I, there's so many things going through my mind. One of them is that I think what's really cool about this project is that it's truly based on merit, right? I mean, you can have all these ideas in your mind about who the face of the person is that would have created that sound, that music, who would have written that piece. But when you meet them, like who they are is who they are. And so, and so it's really, really cool. Cause I'm like, would I have met Donald or Jared otherwise? And <laughs> so I think that's really, really yeah. awesome that we've had this experience today and, and that we've had an opportunity to meet and, and create something. And that's really, really fun. And I, I, as far as coming here today, I wasn't at all apprehensive. I was curious. Mm-hmm. And I think curiosity is the key. I think you have to be more curious than you are afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the key to connection. And I think right now we've gotten to a place, unfortunately, um, in our society where people are more afraid than they are curious. Um, You know, they don't want to go to a neighborhood that's not their own. They don't want to sit next to someone who they don't know. They don't want to have a conversation who doesn't, with someone who doesn't believe the way they do. and the beautiful thing about art is, as both Donald and Jared, you know, articulated so beautifully, um, is that it is a connection point. Um, and the skill, you know, highlighting the merit also is like, you know, not just artists, but good artists, right? Get to get together and do something really fun. And so um, I, I think that's what it is. I want people to be more curious than they are afraid because, I mean, What's the worst that could happen? I mean, today, something really, really great happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew something really, really great would happen today because you all are really, really great. <laughs> Be sure to tune into the next episode of You Heard Me Right, where a U.S. Army veteran, an audio engineer, and a synth pop artist get very, very quiet or something like that. We'll hear you later. You Heard Me Right is a Spotify Sound Up original series and was workshopped as part of the Sound Up Accelerator program at Spotify headquarters in New York City. From Could Be Pretty Cool Productions, this episode was produced and edited by Casey Willis with help from Cooper Skinner and Jacob McCoy. Mixing and sound design by Cooper Skinner. Our executive producers are Casey Willis, Cooper Skinner, and Lexi McKay. Our writer and story editor is Caroline Baxter, and our production accountant is Simone Brown. Special thanks to Greg at Listen Up Audio, Kanye Willis, Remy, and Bima. From Spotify, executive producers Gina Delvac, Baron Farmer, Natalie Taluk, and Jane Zumwalt. For more information about today's guest artists, visit us at herdrightpod.com or follow us on IG at herdrightpod. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.